Hi, I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Sam M. Walton College of Business. Welcome to Be Epic, the podcast where we explore excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality, and what those values mean in business, education, and your life today. I have with me today Ryan Frazier and Kenny Kaysen, who are co-founders of Arrived. They are both alumni of the University of Arkansas. They have been involved in other early stage companies as well. Thank you both for for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for for having us on. Uh, Before we talk about Arrived, I'd like to start uh, with the story of how you two met and how you've been involved in business together. Yeah, we met it was well over 10 years ago now, back in college. And at the time we met just because we both studied Japanese. So we, we just kind of had you know that in common. And uh, admittedly at the time, you know, I, I didn't actually know Ryan was involved in business. I don't think Ryan knew I was interested in doing tech business. You know, as a programmer, he was studying business. And, and I, I, we actually didn't connect on this until uh, after I had moved to Washington, D.C. I was was working my full-time job at Lockheed Martin. Ryan was working his job, and I was actually needing a logo built for my website, so I posted it on Facebook, and Ryan volunteered and made this really awesome logo with a a Rubik's Cube and my my company name around it, and I loved it, and we kind of kept talking about business ideas, and I liked where he was coming from, and he seemed to like some of my ideas, so we, we just kind of basically agreed that, hey, let's let's start something. So we uh, just kind of unanimously decided to quit our jobs and move back to Arkansas and, you know, start a business idea. Kenny, you were in computer science and Ryan was in business, so it would be unlikely that you would cross paths. Yeah, well, yeah we what... crossed paths through the taking Japanese class together. And so we met through that and kind of found a mutual interest there over time. Definitely. I, I didn't know about all the startup and entrepreneur programs and stuff that were available. Uh, it wasn't actually until like my last year or so in college when I even knew that this was a, a you know, career option. Uh, of course, you know, we're, we're going back to uh, face-to-face, but during the pandemic and the business school, only about half of our classes were face-to-face. And you, it really does reduce the chances of people like you two meeting. And our audience hasn't heard yet, but you two have generated some really good technology together in businesses, created jobs, created wealth, and it started with a collision that was uh, unexpected. So Ryan, would you tell me a little bit about your first venture together? The, so the first company Kenny and I started together was Data Rank, and that was back in 2011. And I think originally the insight was really around just the value in social media data. The fact that all of these people all over the world are talking about any topic you could imagine and sharing their thoughts and feelings on those topics. And at the time, we were really interested in using that data to understand, well, what products are people buying and why are they buying them and at what rates are they buying them? And we used that data to basically forecast earnings reports for public companies. People were talking about things they're buying in real time and public companies are report are reporting earnings, you know, a quarter in reverse. And so this was this kind of real time feed on, on purchase behavior. And so that was kind of the insight that led us to, you know, start this business and kind of led to us raising some initial angel funding in Arkansas, 
also through, you know, network that we got introduced to through the university. And then over time, that product evolved. You know, we kept working with customers. Kenny kept uh, and the team kept developing the technology. And you know, our customers ended up becoming more the CPG companies, you know, like Procter & Gamble and Clorox and Coca-Cola, really leveraging it for consumer insights and kind of like an always-on focus group. You know, not surprisingly, being in Northwest Arkansas, we, we kind of saw that market and developed the technology in that way. You both have interest in foreign languages. And Kenny, if I remember correctly, you really like Japanese and Chinese. Yeah, yeah, correct. How many years have you been studying Chinese? Formally, three, four years in college, the same for Japanese, uh, with an addition of a year in study abroad in Japan. Uh, but then, honestly, like all my friend groups, uh, it's something I, I pay great credence to the university for is the large amounts of international students. So I, I was fortunate enough to have like a you know large Taiwan, Chinese, as well as uh, Japanese friend groups. And, and they, they kind of took me in with open arms and taught me Japanese. Uh, I got to use Japanese every day with them. And you know, my wife and children are Chinese, and we, we actually met when I was studying abroad as well. And so Chinese has kind of always been our, you know, the, the daily language we use at home with the kids and family. And so, you know, fast forward 15 years later, it's just kind of became a, a way of life and a way that I didn't anticipate when I first started studying them, for sure. You know, I was at first just looking for a, a Spanish alternative to try something new. Uh, who, who would have known? <laughs> that kind of interest you have... Uh majoring in computer science, interested in languages, interested in business ventures. It's a little bit unusual. It's very eclectic. And same with you, Ryan. You you both have these unusual uh, interests. Did you two know before you went to college that you wanted to start your own business at some point? I don't think I thought that far ahead. I think my, my life was a to say simple and humble in northeast Arkansas and I, I spent a lot of time trying to kind of really just figure out how, how can I live and, and so I had like a mowing company growing up and uh, you know I went to college you know I joined the military and I was just very pragmatically minded of how can I make some money and survive and I got into the university and honestly programming just became super super fun I already started kind of falling in love with it in high school and before I knew it, my physics major was a computer science major. My hobbies were programming, and it actually wasn't again, and you know, until my near senior year of college, I even considered the option of entrepreneurism. I was three years in internships with Lockheed Martin, again, you know, military, and I was just thinking a very traditional business, uh, which I think is a great option. But I, I didn't realize just how fun entrepreneurship can be, and it's the great challenges it provides, the great rewards it provides. And uh, so it's, it's been an evolution and I, I think it still will be. Go into college thinking I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I relate and with that as well. There was never even a moment not. where I thought that was the path that I wanted to take. I was also always definitely thinking of like two different paths. You know, one was a career, go work at a company. I, I was really interested in the technology sector, I'd say. And when I thought about how I spent my time in college and what I was focused on learning, it was I was very interested in the technology side of things. But a lot of what I think became entrepreneurship for me really grew out of like hobbies and personal interests. And I always kind of saw it as that. If I look back, I do see like, okay, I was fairly entrepreneurial in terms of some of the things that I was doing with my spare time. but 
it just got to a point, especially after you know graduating, that some of those hobbies kind of took on lives of their own. It became obvious that they could be commercialized and maybe there was potential there. And I was getting more and more excited about some of those things that I saw initially as a hobby that I realized, you know, this could be a business or it could be a path. And I think that was like a incremental realization over time. Yeah, I'd like to just add to that and say it, it was kind of a, a synergy because if I look at my whole life, I, I, I would categorize myself as a, a creative. I, I love building, I love art, I like producing things. So it doesn't matter if it's art on paper, a wooden trebuchet, or you know, code, or art and code together. I, I love creating stuff. And to know that you can do that in the context of business and make money, it's kind of a, a fun way to take the creative outlet and the creative hobbies of mine and then, you know, maybe put it towards work. And it, I think if you converge the two, A, it becomes less like work and more like fun. And you get that synergy bonus of, you know, having your hobby kind of work, work in your favor. So you two have been friends and working together for over 10 years. Tell us the rest of the story about DataRank. Yeah. So we, with DataRank, we experienced the full startup journey and life cycle over something like seven or eight years together. And we, I mentioned we started to productize DataRank into a technology product to provide consumer insights for brands. We got invited to Y Combinator and moved the, the business to Silicon Valley to participate in that program um, and really learn from the kind of top minds, at least in our view, that we really looked up to and admired as we were building our business, you know, got the opportunity to learn from them. And then we moved back to Arkansas to keep building the company. And then ultimately, we're acquired by and merged with a company called Simply Measured in Seattle. And that moved us out to Seattle and integrated the team and technology there, ultimately then going through another acquisition by, by Sprout Social, which is a great leader in, in the space and uh, actually went public, I think, a little over a year ago now. And yeah, so we kind of had that journey from idea to of going through the fundraising process to acquisitions and really getting to see, I think, that full life cycle. You guys have worked a lot together. You've been co-founders. When you run a business together, you inevitably have conflict as time goes by. And yet you two are not only made it through founding a company, developing it, being acquired, working together at the company that acquired you, and now uh, you started another business together. So you've learned how to manage conflict and how to work together. A lot of times after people have gone through one firm together, you don't see them necessarily doing another one. So what's your secret for success in that way? Yeah, I mean, I'll just say that it, it is hard, right? Like finding a compatibility, finding people that are compatible with this stuff. So you should always, you know, I, I encourage people all the time, constantly meet people and until you find that mesh. It's been pretty uh, low effort for us to form this friendship because like, I feel like we've had good trust and communication from day one. And Ryan's honestly one of the most open-minded, good listeners that I know. And, and when I think of conflict, I think, you know, uh, jokingly, it's probably more likely to be me. I'm a little more rough than Ryan. So, you know, it's getting to work with Ryan and, and he handles conflict well and provides good insight and walks through scenarios and and, and honestly, it's, it's been educational for me. And again, it's been easy because Ryan's been all, you know awesome. Having that trust, at the end of the day, if we have a disagreement, Ryan, A, is going to do his best to explain it to me and not just tell me. At the end of the day, if I still don't understand or agree, I'm just going to defer to Ryan because I trust him. And 
you know, we're, we got to make a decision and we're going to go forward. So I, I just feel that the trust is there and, you know, the history is there. So it, it, make, it makes it a lot easier for sure. The long story short is it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, I agree. That communication has been a really important part of it. Anytime there is conflict or even before it gets to conflict, just kind of sharing what's going on and being willing to talk about it and you know, having empathy on both sides. I feel like we both have always kind of felt like we looked up to the, you know, each other and we could learn a lot from each other. And I think that you know, kind of suspends the ego in these environments when we're trying to move really quickly and make a lot of decisions so that we can build these businesses and, and teams and make the progress we want to make. But I think it comes back to you know, communication, as Kenny was saying. And yeah, I think that leads to that trust element that we've been fortunate to have through this time working together. Yeah. You know, um, boy, communication, open communication, and as you mentioned, listening, it's so important. And it's not a real plentiful thing out there. So when you find two people that can work that way and communicate clearly and listen to one another, appreciate one another, that's so important. They say, you know, trust is built on three primary things. One is um, competency. You've got to be competent. Two, you have to believe that the other has your best interest in mind. And three, you've got to believe the other person has integrity. You know, they'll do what they say. They'll be honest with you. It's powerful when you can get a team, uh, two people that trust each other and are competent. You can get a lot done. It's pretty amazing. It is. And I, I just want to add, like, I mean, one of my first experiences when we were working together was Ryan, again, the not technical person, supposedly hopping in and, you know, programming HTML and CSS and doing some of our early web designing. And you, know, you learned Ruby on Rails and built like a, a Pinterest like website and for insects, you know, I love insects. And Ryan has this, the empathy for tech, which I think is important if we're going to build a tech company, you want your business half to really understand and care about the tech needs and the importance of investing in tech and hiring like a good, you know, first-class team. And, you know, so I feel like Ryan really kind of jumped in head first and learned tech and then also let me do the same thing to kind of understand other sides of the house as well. And so I think that mutual understanding of each other's area also is really, really important. Whereas, you know, a lesser you know, CEO would maybe say, the tech's not my problem, you deal with it. Just let me know, you know, just make it work. That's all I care about. And I never get that vibe from Ryan. And I think, I just, again, I think it's really important. It's a, a common thing I tell and sell people, you know, even during hiring and interviews and stuff, because, you know, I, I think that determines what kind of technology org we're able to uh, run. That point you made about Ryan being a business major who also learned some technology on his own, I think is a message that is very important. We've been trying to get that message out to our business students, and we've created all kinds of ways now since you all graduated that students can learn more if they want to. And we've experimented with a number of things. But, you know, it's one of those things that does take extra effort. And there's no reason you can't do it on your own. I mean, there's so many tools out there now. If you want to learn Ruby on Rails or Java or Python or R or whatever it may be, there's great uh, online tools for doing that. I wish all 6,600 of our business students would do it. Honestly, everybody can learn to code. It just takes time and effort. It's super fun. And I'm willing to answer questions as much as I can about it too. Like I always recommend people learn to code and really everybody diversify, learn lots of stuff. The putting together of lots of different thoughts and ideas is 
that's the path to building and making new stuff. Computer science people, hey, you know, we, we don't have to work at a desk and code all the time, 24-7. You can build stuff. You can take on, you know, building a product. Uh, or if you don't want to do that, find a partner. You know, I found a partner to help with my uh, areas that, you know, maybe I don't do as well. And it's definitely, definitely open to everybody, I think. If a business student is listening to this and they think, well, okay, I'd like to do that, what would you recommend they start with? For me, my the approach was, you know, through personal interest and like, you know, almost as I mentioned before, a lot of these endeavors were more kind of hobbies in a sense. And I always found that, you know, using that to drive some learning something new where you can bite off a project that allows you to get something to completion really helped me. Early on, that might mean using like a platform that gave you a little bit of code, but it did some handholding for you, like Shopify if you're building an e-commerce store, but you're in there doing some configuration or Webflow if you're building like a website, and then gradually kind of abstracting some of that away. But trying to find like some bite-sized projects where you can actually see the like fruits of your results. And especially if you're like a business major where you're wanting to test an idea or a business idea. Being able to like get an MVP built that you could then take to customers, getting someone to like use the product, if you can get that, I think fuels the desire and interest to kind of go deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. It doesn't necessarily give you the great like foundational understanding like it would if you were to really start with like Python or Java or JavaScript, which I think if you're really learning to code, I think that's very important to kind of understand how the mechanics work. But if you compare that to some type of project that you can get in front of customers or people and get that validation or like close that feedback loop. It was always highly motivating for me to keep digging deeper. Anybody at any point in their learning, I, I recommend on a project. It can be really small, like styling a, a WordPress page or, you know, building a game or a, a building a web app, but, you know, have a goal of something you want to accomplish so that you're able to Google how to do it. If you want to build a website, you can Google how to build a website. So having that project in mind, you can work backwards on how to build it. If you look at it as just like, I'm going to go learn programming. It's a mountain taller than Everest and it goes up in every direction and you know, you might be lost. So yeah, pragmatism wins for uh, getting started and learning, I think. So Kenny and Ryan, you, at one point you moved to Seattle from Arkansas and you have moved around a little bit, but you're moving enlightened you to an opportunity. Would you mind talking about that? Yeah, and I think that really is part of the the story for how we got here on starting our new company with Arrived. And we have a co-founder in this business, uh, Alejandro, who also moved around a lot and was originally from Mexico, wasn't a University of Arkansas alumni, although I'm sure he would love the university and we hope to get him there. But as we were kind of building the business uh, and growing that business of, of data rank moved around a lot to be close to investors and then customers and then through an acquisition and really started to kind of question like what does ownership of homes look like for us and from talking to kenny and and hearing you know his thoughts on owning rental homes and, and wanting to kind of invest in that as an asset but us being kind of frustrated of like we weren't really in the same place long enough for it to make sense to you know, buy homes or invest in homes and also be able to be confident that we were going to be there um, and be able to manage those properties. Um, and at the same time, I think we were starting to ask the questions of like, you know, why is ownership of homes, why does it 
exists the way it exists today, where you put, you save up a bunch of money and then they put all of that money into a single home. And it's kind of at odds in, in how we think about, you know, investing in a diversified manner and like modern portfolio theory and managing risk. And why couldn't, you know, you own like 1% of 100 homes or even more than that, but still have that connection to single family home ownership. And so that really led to Arrived and, and where we're at today, which is building this platform where essentially anyone can invest in rental homes, starting with 100 bucks, you know, up to 100,000 bucks or even beyond that. And essentially we buy homes, break them into shares and allow people to invest and own those shares um, in the same way that you might invest in and own shares of a stock. So what are some of the challenges and how did you really study the customer and understand how to make Arrived uh, optimized for the customer? The one thing we learned with starting a company together for the second time is you can't really skip steps. We knew that there were elements that still needed refinement in terms of the business model and how it would work and exactly what you know ultimately customers wanted. And it's an investment service today. We're allowing our customers to invest in rental properties. So they are investors, essentially. But we really spent a lot of time getting that right. That meant, you know, talking to hundreds of people and, and building like really MVPs of the product that we envisioned and getting their feedback and buy-in into that before we got to the kind of current iteration of the product that we really believed met the needs. And that put us on kind of a, a regulatory timeline because we're dealing with securities. And I'd say with this business, that was a big early challenge that's unusual for a, a startup that you would spend you know, a year working with the government and these government entities, in our case, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, to you know, allow us to bring this product to market. And so that was a part of our story that's maybe somewhat unusual, but now that we're kind of on the other side of that, it was you know, a great part of that process. Yeah, so to kind of echo on uh, Ryan's statement, the, the securities requirements for the company were just large, and that was a, a hard decision. We weren't sure that, A, we needed to go down that route, and B, was that the actual right route? You know, is there another path to our product? And just I remember, I think getting our head wrapped around the security requirements for our company was just a, a huge process that can't be overstated. Outside of the business challenges, just, you know, I have two kids now. I didn't have two kids when I started DataRank. So figuring out how to start a startup with two kids and during COVID, nonetheless, uh, it was just a lot of challenges. And it meant that we had to do a lot more upfront planning in terms of like me figuring out my finances, budgeting and things like that. And getting back into the mindset of a startup and where I'm essentially going to have to solo build the back end, the front end and everything. And like Ryan said, without taking shortcuts, you know, we can't take too large of shortcuts. So this product, you know, we're building an investment platform, uh, lots of partners. And it was just enough complexity that I had to look at the project ahead of us and be like, whoa, that's a lot of work. And, I'm, you know, we're about to sign up for this work, you know, uh, but also, you know, what a blast. <laughs> okay, Kenny and Ryan, I have a question for you. If you could build a big sign and put it in front of the Walton College so that when students walk in and out of the buildings, that they would see it, your message, what would what would you put on that sign? Kenny? 
maybe it's a sign of the times, but I would say talk to each other, everybody all over the world, all over the country, and always learn. There's no greater joy than knowledge. I solidly believe that. Yeah. Sometimes when you're in school, you, you're just learning to get the box checked. But if you slow down and try to enjoy whatever you're learning, it's a game changer. Ryan, what would you put on the sign? I think I would put follow your curiosity. There can be a lot of pressure to like follow the right idea and follow the right path. And I think that can stress people out on like, am I doing the right things? Am I spending my time on the right things? And I find that at least for, for me, when I look back at like, where have I benefited? It's really been from that following my own curiosity and letting that kind of take me down these different areas of interest that I don't even know what the outcome might be, but you learn, you know, unique skills to yourself. You find unique ideas that are aligned to your personal interests. And I think, you know, can relieve some of the the pressure of, are you spending your time on the right things? And I totally relate with the always be learning and it's connected to that as well. That's great. Well, thank you both for taking time to visit with me today. I really appreciate it. And um, best of luck on Arrived. Very interesting, innovative idea. Thank you so much. Thanks again for for having us. It's been a lot of fun chatting with you and getting to uh, relive some of the early days of getting to build a relationship with with Kenny. So, yeah, likewise, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Be Epic podcast from the Walton College. You can find us on Google, SoundCloud, iTunes, or look for us wherever you find your podcast. Be sure to subscribe and rate us. You can find current and past episodes by searching Be Epic Podcast, one word, that's B-E-E-P-I-C podcast, and now Be Epic. Be Epic.